You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 57 of the DCAU Review. I am Cal, and with me, as he always is, is my good brother and the DCAU Twitter guru. DCAU Review Twitter guru. It's my brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 57 of the DCAU review. Yeah, I'm excited. We're uh, we're talking about a, a fun and obviously very memorable and uh, important kind of to the DCAU as a whole uh, episode of Superman here today. Uh, we're talking about Little Girl Lost, parts one and two, the first appearances in this world of Supergirl. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we we talked about last week on, on the episode about how many episodes that kids wb back in the day seemed to replay over and over and over again yeah to the point where it was just monotonous (laughs) and now when we go back and and watch them there's almost a for certain episodes there's almost a a dread of having to watch them or a dread of not having to watch them but watching them through and a feeling of like okay i've seen this i remember the plot point so well and it's I don't know. They they just don't they don't they're not as nostalgic to me as some of the Batman the animated series episodes. But this episode, I was super pleasantly surprised with. Yeah. Um, it's not. I think it's one that maybe wasn't in heavy rotation because it was a two parter. So yeah. That may have had something to do with it. But I also think that it's a really really good story. It's a yeah. really good way of introducing the character of Supergirl to the DCAU and. There's a lot of good stuff in this episode. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, a brief synopsis of this week's episode by chance? Dude, technically there's two of them, but okay. I'll, just the, I'll just do the synopsis for part one right, right. now. Uh, <clears throat> and it reads as such. A teenage girl is the last survivor of a civilization that was destroyed when Krypton exploded. Superman brings her to Earth and learns she possesses superpowers much like Superman's. It's not completely accurate. He doesn't learn. They just kind of establish that she has them when she gets there. And then part two, (laughs) a synopsis reads as such. Superman needs rescuing after being captured by Granny Goodness and Female Furies. Okay. That is another precise, concise, to the point. Uh, Let's start by talking about the plot of the episode. The synopsis there kind of gives you an idea, but Superman apparently is out searching for life back uh, where... Krypton exploded. He, so he's he yeah. It opens with him floating through a field of kryptonite in his spaceship. It's very uh, kind of haunting. Like it's like it's like it's like floating through a graveyard. Yeah. So it, and it's it's almost immediately very depressing. He makes a comment how there's no sign of life anywhere, and he yeah. seems very up, you know disappointed about that. And then all of a sudden, there's a distress signal from this neighboring planet. Of course, it turns out to be Argo, and he goes and uh, discovers that there's one survivor in a cryogenic freezing chamber or something that was set up there, and it's this young teenage girl who's been frozen for at least, what, 30 years probably, yeah. right? So she's been in suspended animation, pun intended, for the last 30 years. So I know in the comics there's di- var- variations of Supergirl's origin. Yeah. How do you feel about this choice to make her not a Kryptonian, mm-hmm. not a clone, not from a different... Uh, <laughs> a universe, not a not a multiverse resident, right. but she's Superman's. It's a person from a, a neighboring planet. Yeah, I remember uh, if you listen to the director's commentary or some of the features they did about uh, around this time, they mention 
repeatedly that DC Comics at the time had a kind of a mandate that Superman was the last son of Krypton, meaning they didn't want any Kryptonians around. General Zod was not being used in the comics at the time. Uh, previously, this series had used like Jaxer and Mala, but uh, you know some of the Phantom Zone characters. But for the most part, they really, really wanted Superman to be the only Kryptonian. It's one of the reasons I think they said they never did like a Crypto or, or something like that. Um, so the it it you can tell like they wanted to do mostly the classic like Superman's cousin. Supergirl, mm-hmm. but they had to tweak it because of that mandate from from DC. But I don't, I don't think it hurts it necessarily, and I don't, you don't necessarily need that like direct genetic familial connection for them to be family and mm-hmm. for them to still be able to interact in a in a unique way. As she, you know, she's a teenager cooped up on a farm and who who has all these incredible powers and who would understand that better than superman who went through the same thing in his childhood and, and teenage years right so what what follows is there's a, the main storyline is that uh, intergang is making its presence known again in metropolis we find out very quickly that uh, it's a direct result of granny goodness who has arrived from apocalypse yes uh who is played brilliantly by the amazing Ed Asner. We'll talk about that when we get to voice oh, acting. Yeah. And it's it's a great story. It's it's not super complicated. Granny is... It's sort of a off-the-wall, there's a comet that's passing the Earth. <laughs> the Have Fleischer this, Comet. The Fleischer Comet, a comet which, is a, which is a neat little Easter egg. Yes. I wonder why they named it that. <laughs> so the Fleischer Comet is passing, and she, you find out it towards the end of towards the end of part two that she's using a doomsday magnet to pull the comet to earth in order to destroy it thus destroying earth but not violating dark side's agreement with treaty with the with new genesis yes they make a point of explaining that not in an overly ex- exposition-y way but Superman sort of confronts Darkseid about how you know you you agreed to leave the earth alone after the events of the apocalypse now two-parter and Darkseid's like, hey, I, I, it's not in my control if an asteroid just happens to hit the Earth and destroy it. Um, so Which it's, is it, pretty diabolical. I yeah. like it. It's it's also shows you that he he's you know he's willing to hold to his word because he doesn't want this war to break out between him and his neighboring planet. Yeah, but he's still so diabolical and evil mm-hmm. that he wants to destroy Earth. And it sticks in his craw. That Superman and the rest of the people at Earth, you know, gave him the middle finger when he tried to go there and rule them. Like, right. it bothers him. He, he says that, it, you know, what I cannot control, I destroy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's such a great, like, that's such a great dark side thing. Yeah. He's like, well, if I can't directly just invade you and destroy you uh, myself, well, I'll just find a way to make a natural disaster occur and, and wipe out all your all the life on the planet that way. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, so what what happens is so Superman gets Supergirl gets a lot of screen time in this episode, which yes. is which is important because it's the introduction to her. But she doesn't feel like a sidekick. She's no. thrust right into the main thick of things. She's investigating the inner gang stuff with Jimmy Olsen, and Superman shows up. He gets captured by Granny Goodness and the the Furies and taken to Apocalypse. So then it's up to Supergirl to to rescue Superman and. You know, this was written 
20 years ago. Yeah. But as, as far as, you know, the push for women's equality and mm-hmm. that continues to happen, especially relevancy in today's day and age, it was pretty cool to see an episode where they decided, hey, she's not going to be the damsel in distress. This is a strong female character yes. that we're, she doesn't need Jimmy Olsen to save her. She's saving Jimmy Olsen right. half the time. She's figuring things out. And sure, she's a teenager, so she's still reckless and she's making decisions that maybe aren't the first that Superman would have the edge over because he's an adult and has been doing this longer but it was cool I think to see her she's the one that has to go to Apocalypse and takes on parademons and Granny and her Furies again and it's it's really really cool I think I think the the way that they wrote this story and they made her such a a pivotal character the story was so so done so well yeah and I like the idea that she's she's a very like proactive hero because she saw her own world sort of fall apart and she wasn't able to do anything to stop it whereas now and I mean we see that in the first conversation she has with Clark on the farm of I have all these abilities I can help people and like I you're you're keeping me on the bench basically and so this is her chance not not in a way that oh she wants glory or she wants adventure like she wants she so you know she just so wants to help people and she sees this opportunity with this inner gang story and to help Jimmy get his get his first big story and all that and and then yes in the in the crossfire superman is captured and then she's sort of thrust into having to really take the lead and really uh you know it really does as you said become her story and it's it's really well done and it, like you said it, it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like we're trying to you know uh, it like i said it just it works like it works for the story they're telling and it works for her character as this sort of proactive hero who really wants to get out there and help people and with her motivation being that uh you know she wasn't able to save her people so she wants to make sure she can she can whenever she can uh that she can help uh, the people of earth and i think that's a similar motivation to superman himself is that his you know his backstory is that he learned of this great tragedy and so he's always you know he's always watching he's always there to try to to help to try to, to try to prevent any sort of uh, you know great catastrophe befalling the planet he lives on now, and I think seeing that reflected in his in this younger version is uh, is is really well done. Yeah, and the very cool thing we I mean I mentioned she clearly is somebody who's not been doing this for very long. She makes mistakes. She's headstrong. She's also a teenager. Yeah, but she gets almost instant redemption. She destroys the Doomsday Magnet. Superman gets pissed because <laughs> he's like, I might have used it to reverse the polarity or whatever and yeah, send yeah. it back out into space. Now he has to go up and do it. But then she gets, as he's doing that, this piece breaks off and heads towards Metropolis. And ultimately, she just, she goes up and saves the city. Yes, by sacrificing herself to it and I remember the very first time that I watched this I was confused because I thought they killed her like I yeah. thought I thought it was like a self-sacrifice this wow they brought her into the DCAU and <laughs> killed her in the same episode but then you know you get a nice little bow at the end and then of course she she plays a pivotal a pivotal role later on in seasons uh well of of superman yeah and uh and then of course later in injustice league unlimited she plays a pretty pivotal oh yeah role in, in some of those yeah, especially episodes. when starting getting into like the cadmus stuff and the galatea stuff mm-hmm. and yeah that that whole cadmus arc is to a certain extent built around her and and built around her and superman and and sort of the end of this series that uh we'll get to down the line and then yeah as we get into that 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 storyline in justice league she becomes a really big part of that 
So that's why uh, I, I ended up giving Plot a very strong 9 out of 10. Wow. Um, I think the only the only thing that I felt was missing, they jumped right from Superman saving her to she's in Kansas and Smallville. Yeah. They didn't even do like an, an exposition type thing where they explain, you know, how did she learn English? How right. did she learn, you know, in, in, in the, uh, when they brought Supergirl kind of back into the main continuity of the DC Comics. There's a the Michael Turner story that they did in Batman Superman yeah. that was later turned into Batman Superman movie that we'll cover sometime down, yeah. down the road. They made very clear that she didn't speak English, mm-hmm. so she had to learn English because she's, she's coming there as a teenager. Superman came as a baby. Right. Makes sense that he would learn English, whereas this person's coming from a planet where... They already spoke English, like I, yeah. I, so a little bit of a plot hole there, yeah. but I yeah, understand. we don't we don't get to see her growing pains, but you yeah, you can probably uh, you know kind of logic that away with just the you know time constraints of you know having so yeah, much stretch it out into tell. a two two parter anyway. Yeah, what, what did you end up giving score? Yeah, to? I gave a I gave it eight out of ten, so pretty similar there. But yeah, it's it's just a really good solid story and. It's a great uh, introduction to a Supergirl character, even though, as we said, they kind of had to tweak her origin a little bit. But the you know you still get a very good sense of who she is, what motivates her, and why she's you know her own unique character, while you know still being you know still wearing the same crest, still being part of the the Superman family, but still very much standing on her own. She, we also don't find out where she got her costume from. That's true. She just uh, tears off her, her other clothes and she has that underneath. So I, I was my... waiting for like a throwaway line that like Ma made it for her in secret or right. something, but we don't we don't get that. All right, let's move on to music, shall we? Um, it was funny. After we after we watched this, I, I, like I said, I clearly like this episode. Yeah. I think the music played a background role. There's there's some music during the fight scenes between her and the and the Furies, and there's certainly background music for when Inner Gang is is attacking the uh, Superman at the very beginning at the convention. Yeah. But there's there's not there is a Supergirl theme, mm-hmm. but I had to ask you what it was because I didn't remember it, <laughs> and you made a very valid point about why it may have been hard for me to remember. Yeah, they sort of. They keep it very like uh, un- like almost underwhelming. It sort of play- they sort of do this repeated Supergirl like it's a couple just a couple notes. It's done as a kind of a refrain uh, repeatedly throughout the episode when she does something sort of heroic or or uh, but they don't really ever do like the big grand version of it where you know you think of like a Superman theme or a Batman theme where they- it's played in in various ways throughout. They'll play it. You know, on the smaller moments, it'll play quieter and sort of more solemn, and then it'll be grand and heroic and, and you know, that full big band feel when it's the big action scene. And in this, they kind of just play it the same way throughout both parts, so it's kind of kept it almost like this minor key uh, throughout the whole thing. And that, I thought, if they had done more of... Uh, certainly, like, when she reveals the Supergirl suit for the first time and everything... If they had done more of like a big, grand, like full, full, loud uh, 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 version of it, I think that would have helped a little bit. Certainly, yeah. I and when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what the Supergirl theme was. But and I think it's a, it's supposed to be like a similar variation to the Superman theme. Mm. But the way that the Superman theme sort of builds and you have the strings that come in and then it, then it escalates and it gets to the horns yes. and then it like it builds you get this crescendo the supergirl theme is just kind of like there and then it's like not there anymore right so 
Yeah, I was a little little disappointed with that. I think I think it's it's fine, but yeah. they could have done more with that. Um, I ended up giving music just a five out of ten because of that, though. Yeah, that's fair. I give it six. Uh, pretty similar score there. Um, I liked I liked the fight music, especially in the scene on Apocalypse in the throne room where where Superman and Supergirl are fighting the the Furies. I thought it especially swells really well there, and then at the end when they're dealing with the asteroid. But yeah, overall, it's I think it definitely plays a more of a background part than uh, you know it doesn't really take center stage at any point. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's talk about animation, and um, I gotta I gotta be open and honest here. I was thrilled with the animation. There is so much good stuff in this yeah. episode. Stuff from the very beginning. I think. Superman going through space. There's some 3D panoramas of Superman's uh, rocket ship that yeah. look pretty pretty decent. He's flying over the planet. He's uh, circling Argo initially, and there's not a lot of detail in Argo, but it's the way that he is sort of orbiting the planet is done really mm-hmm. well. We were talking about this nowadays. They use that sort of like computer hybrid animation, like yeah. computer generated, because it's digital animation. So they'll do a 3D model, and you, you've probably seen it if you've watched Family Guy or you know any any modern cartoon where they'll do like a panorama of a of of the car, and you can tell it's not hand drawn animation or it's not the typical 2D digital animation. Right. It's designed to make it look like a, a 3D vehicle. But this is before that they were using that technique and it's still done really, really well. There's a couple of great scenes. The very yeah. end, I think, the very end, Supergirl flying outside of the, the window of the Daily Planet in Metropolis mm-hmm. where she goes up and she lands on the flagpole and she kind of does a pirouette around the flagpole. Really, really done well. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, aside from that, like I said, I think the fight scenes were all really well done. They did some very interesting visual things. The female Furies are really visually interesting characters anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the Jack Kirby stuff is, but I think they especially... Because up to now, we've mostly... Other than Calabac, it's mostly just been parademons Correct. that we've seen from the sort of the apocalypse side of the... You know, just sort of the, the drone army. So seeing, like, these really unique, different-looking uh, characters... With and their, Steppenwolf, we did. See yes, Steppenwolf that's true. Too. Steppenwolf did show up, um, and Kanto, I guess. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but as far as like uh, being in more of like a direct fight, but Kanto, with... Kanto's not visually. He's a dude in robe, like, right? That's fair. and then I mean Steppenwolf looks like sort of like Mister Miracle with a beard, like he's green yeah. and yellow and 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 stuff. So I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but and just to have them with you know obviously Lashina has the whip. Matt Harriet is like the creeper mixed with Wolverine and Stampa is just kind of this big, uh, swole, uh, angry muscle, muscle lady. And mm-hmm. it's like just three very unique types, very unique types of, uh, fighting style and stuff. And it just works really well. Even the translation of granny goodness from, yeah. from, I mean, it's the classic granny goodness look and it fits, but it still fits into the Timverse oh, yeah. models, you know, it, 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 lo- it looks, it's done really well. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, so that to me was what really stood out was, I what think, do you think about of... the Supergirl costume? Cause we were talking about this. This is the first introduction of this version of the Supergirl yeah. costume. Past versions, she had a very similar costume to Superman, mm-hmm. all blue or blue with a red skirt where we, right. we see now in the Supergirl show. But this is, this costume was actually eventually adapted into main continuity yeah. for a period of time. Yeah, I, I I think it's very memorable, 
And I think it works for, like, a younger teenage Supergirl. Um, once you age her up a little bit, and actually in Justice League, when they kind of aged her up to be, like, in her 20s, they did give her that the blue and red suit mm-hmm. um, with the, the longer cape and the longer skirt, and they gave her a different hairstyle and all that. But I think for, like... Teenage super for teenage Supergirl, I think it's a really good design. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think it 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 looks visually similar enough to Superman, but also stands out as a unique character, and it does communicate that this is this is not despite what those creeps at the Daily Planet say at the end of the episode. <laughs> this is a teenager. Right, this is not a grown woman. This is a teenager that is is out here fighting fighting. Crime. Yeah. So I yeah I I, I would agree. I, I think. Because of all of the the great animation sequences, I think the fight in the throne room between yeah. Supergirl and the Furies and having Darkseid there and Granny Goodness and all of that happening at the same time, that could have been a real, real mess. But there's some great perspective shots, one where she picks up like this pillar mm-hmm. and she's uh, whacking Stopper on the head. And uh, and you just kind of see it from over over the shoulder there, and it just keeps pounding like the, the she keeps pounding her in the head, yeah. with it, and then she just turns, and you get a three sixty shot of her swinging this this pillar at yeah. her, and she goes flying out of the building. Really, really, great yeah. Stuff. There, there's one with her fighting uh, Lashina as well, where they just kind of keep doing this three sixty shot, and they're mm-hmm. fighting, and one of them will knock the other out of frame for a second, and then they'll jump back in, and yeah, just some really really cool tricks and. And really well done. The director of this episode was Kurt Gaeta for both parts. So mm-hmm. just an, an excellent job. It was obviously storyboarded and animated very well. So, um, yeah, one of, one of I think, uh, the strongest Superman episodes when it comes to, to visuals and animation we've watched uh, to, the, to date, at least. Yep. So uh, I ended up giving it a 10 out of 10. All right. Perfect score. What about you? Yeah, I gave it 9 out of 10. Um I mean, I, I can nitpick a little bit. I think there's a, a few weird, like, sort of perspective things where people sort of changed in size as they're walking out of doors and stuff on Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's that's mostly minor stuff. But, obviously, it's it's an excellent episode, as you mentioned, the sequence at the end where she where she's flying around Metropolis and and everything. is It's so well done. And they really do a very good job of making, making it feel so alive and kind of giving you a little bit of that, that like, childlike wonderment that you don't necessarily get with an adult Superman of like it's really cool it's probably really cool to fly mm-hmm. like it's really cool to fly through the city of Metropolis and, and be a superhero and there's just that youthful energy there that I think is uh, that uh, is there and I think the visuals and the animation are a big part of that it was cool to see more of Apocalypse again too definitely she goes there and she's battling that you see the, the horde of parademons start to fly over her and then one flies mm-hmm. down it was a good callback to Apocalypse Now, where that same thing yeah. happens, and one you know one flies down and starts attacking the, yeah, the, the people, the of Earth. swarming uh, like like they're wasps or something. It's such a great visuals, and it's so, even getting to see more of the various things from around Apocalypse as she's kind of flying through and trying to find Superman. I think we're like, yeah, we get to see like some of the kind of like the slums of it. She doesn't she doesn't teleport right into the throne room, so she has to kind of make her way through this. Through this really uh, decrepit, uh, creepy-looking dungeon city, you see the the guys riding the big like devil dogs, and mm-hmm. and some. So we get some more like weird alien creatures and stuff in there too. So it's yeah, it's you can tell they had a lot of fun with this, and that this was uh, certainly a labor of love. Well, if there's anything that Bruce Tim and Paul Dini love, it's Jack Kirby. No kidding, and Jack yeah. Kirby, you know, fourth 
fourth world? Yes. <laughs> fourth world stuff. So, yeah. Anytime they get a chance to do it, you can tell their, their passion and joy just comes gushing out. All right, let's let's uh, let's move to our final category, Glenn. We already briefly mentioned one of our players today, Mr. Edward Asner, but we have our voice actors today. Besides Mr. Asner, who else do we have here today? We'll talk a little about Ed's performance as Granny Goodness. So, today. yeah, uh, first and foremost, we have uh, Nicole Tom as her first appearance as Kara slash Supergirl. Um, I think she does a great job. Yeah. I, I think she's a great Supergirl. I was worried at the beginning, because I thought her her first scene was a little... I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this or not. Yeah. But, absolutely. It, it After that initial initial scene with her and Clark at the breakfast table with Ma and Pa Kent, yeah. I was like, alright, I'm sold. Like, it's fine. She's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought she, does a, she did a really excellent job, again, of just that... Just injecting a different type of energy and a different type of... Uh, perspective into this into this series i think that's that's always good to have and i think she she really does a great job of uh, injecting that sort of youthful energy and uh outside of that of course we have this is one of our first episodes that's really focused more on uh jimmy olsen david kaufman is jimmy olsen um he i mean he's still very much a bit player he's kind of playing the lowest to kara's superman mm-hmm. like she, the the reporter who kind of follows her around and is sort of kind of being thrust into trouble and but you know he still gets to have a moment along with the the one the one inner gang uh girl amy that uh where they kind of try to help and try <laughs> to i guess keep hold down the fort on earth while while superman and supergirl are doing all this crazy stuff on apocalypse and and dealing with asteroids so i i, I like i like david kaufman as jimmy olsen in this episode and and uh, outside of that, we have, of course, we have uh, just sort of rapid fire here, the, the female Furies. We have Diane, Diane Delano as Stampa. We have Diane Michelle as Lashina, who was also uh, Candace on, on Batman the Animated Series, Rupert Thorne's uh, girl, girlfriend? Secretary. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Bane's uh, girlfriend. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and Andrea Martin as Mad Harriet, so... And of course, I do also have to throw out uh, the other inner gang uh, uh, kid who who gets a lot of uh, FaceTime in part one, who they just call Trouble, uh, was voiced by one Scott Menville, who would go on to play Robin on Teen Titans, and perhaps more importantly, Teen Titans Go. Yes. Years later, and uh, one one of my f- favorite voice actors and. Uh, I think he's a great Robin, whether he's doing the more serious version or the the super comedy version. Agreed, absolutely. It was funny. You you call it the second you heard him, you were like, "I think that's Robin from Teen Titans." And yeah. It was like two seconds later, he was like, "Yeah, that's definitely Robin from Teen <laughs> Titans." So it was cool that you got to pull that one right away. But let's talk about. I mean, of course, we had Tim Daly. I think he did fine in yeah. this episode. There was, you know, he's the concerned, concerned older brother, yes. cousin. Dad, like yeah. Chief Kara's reckless teenage Supergirl that wants you know to run and fly everywhere and, right. and not really hold down a secret identity as much as as Clark does. But I think he does a great job in this. We did get a special voice appearance also by Al Roker in That's the very true. first episode. For some reason, Al <laughs> Roker had a cameo on this in this as as Al Roker, un, uncredited as yes. Al Roker. And then uh, we also, of course, had, we already mentioned him twice, Ed Asner as Granny Goodness. Man. Yes. He is 
phenomenal. It's so it's such a joy from the moment they introduce the character onto the screen. Uh, he slash she just steals the show the whole time, and you you pointed out to me uh, she has about. 30 different food-based nicknames that she's calling people. <laughs> Every term of endearment or an insult is a food. Yes. Pumpkin, meatloaf. Cupcake. Cupcake, muffin. Yes. <laughs> so Really, but, really. Ginger snap. Yes. <laughs> There's so many. It's so, so, so good. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in Batman Superman Apocalypse, which is the adaptation yes. of the Michael Turner Batman Superman storyline. He also plays Granny Goodness in that. He does as well. So he he's an icon he is Granny Goodness. Yeah, I I I've I've always you know, there's a there's a new gods movie that's coming out and I'm like could they just put Ed Asner in a wig and have him play <laughs> Granny Goodness in a live action movie? <laughs> I th- I feel like they, I feel like he could do it. Just because I don't want anyone else to play Granny Goodness. We need to start that petition ASAP. (laughs) As powerful as petitions are and as hilarious as some of them can be, I think that our first petition, legit petition, needs to be casting Ed Asner as Granny Goodness for the live-action New Gods movie. Yes, absolutely. We're going to get that done. (laughs) We're going to need everybody in the DCAU universe here that that, uh, that care about as much as we do to support us. So, wow. But, yeah. But But Ed Asner is such a joy in this episode and really does drive home the sort of weird... It's such a weird character. Like, she's basically taking, like, orphans and, like, kids living on the street turning them into her own, like, private army. And then, of course, she also has these female furies. And But the way, you know, she talks so maternally to them and... But threatens them with, like, physical harm. Right. And, and intimidation. It's so, it's so weird and, like, silly and creepy. And it's just so great. All, like, it's such... It's so many... There's so many layers to it. And uh, it, Andrea Romano gets a standing oh ovation my gosh. for that what a, what a choice! Wow, absolutely brilliant idea! Like I, uh, yeah, just just absolutely incredible. Um, Ed Asner also, I just like to point out, uh, was Santa was maybe the be- my favorite version of Santa in uh, in, Elf. In, in Elf. Yeah, he's uh, really really good. He's a very talented actor. He just showed up on Doom the Doom Patrol series on DC Universe not too long ago. Yeah, uh, in a guest starring episode. So. So maybe uh, hope is still alive to get him. Yes, goodness. Let's, let's do this. We're, we're going to do that. But. All right. Yeah. But yeah, we can't speak enough about it. I don't <laughs> think it's a secret. Ed Asner, really good. And the cool thing is, is it's a recurring character. He comes back. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least two more times, I believe. Yeah. Well, he's a, yeah he's around for a couple, at least one more episode of Superman, and then of course shows up a couple times in, in Justice League Unlimited as well. So it's. It's cool that that character carries over, and again, it's such a great character, and there's so so many layers to it, and it's just yep. always such a joy to see that character and to hear his voice. Absolutely. And of course, we had a, a brief appearance by Michael Ironside as, as Darkseid, the goat. Absolutely. He's um, so, so very good. I love, love his final line where he tells the Furies to teach Granny a lesson about failure. Yes. It's so cold and heartless. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So good. Um, Absolutely. Uh, my score for voice acting was also a perfect 10 out of 10. 
I don't how I don't know how <laughs> you couldn't give this a ten out of ten based on the acting. Well, speaking of which, my score was ten out of ten. Good. I was gonna pull. If you gave it a nine, the disagreement <laughs> alarm was coming out. I'm, I don't care if it's our normal is three. Yeah, I would have fought you on that. Yeah, it's 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 perfect. Yeah, it's it's absolutely great. It really, and it's again, it's one of those things we talk about where it's. Certain episodes, it's just going to be one category that really stands out, and this is really an episode where, you know, everything from the writing to the you know the direction to the the visuals to the you know, character designs to the voice acting really all work together to bring you like really I think one of the standout episodes of the series certainly that we've reviewed so far. Absolutely. So I guess that brings us to our final. Oh, it sounds like What's we that? have a bonus point, Liam. And that would be mine. I have a bonus point here. Um, I'm adding an extra point. I gave animation a perfect 10 out of 10, but I'm giving for a specific sequence. Uh, we mentioned some of the, the 3D uh, panoramas and stuff like that that they yeah. did in, in a few of the scenes. My favorite scene that they did, which I we commented, I had to comment as we were watching it, is the first introduction that we see of Supergirl on Earth, which is she's not actually Supergirl. She's on the Kent farm flying around in her overalls yeah. and flying through the skies. She's just flying around, and she flies up in the sky, and there's some geese that are flying there. Mm-hmm. And there's a 360 panorama that they do of her flying with the geese. They pan around, and the geese are kind of, like, looking at her. Like, you know, they're confused. Mm-hmm. She's kind of, like, just flying up and down and around. It's animated so incredibly yeah. well. It's like and going through the clouds and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and we talked about this is that pre that digital animation, so this is all hand-drawn stuff, stuff that isn't easy to do and could easily look wonky and awkward yes. and bad. And it's so smooth. It's done so incredibly well. I had to give that scene an extra bonus point because of that. Um, yeah, I, Awesome. I think I could talk about the animation for this episode all day. Also, hashtag lots of cape movement. In this so episode. much. Double the cape. Absolutely. Anytime Granny we Granny had a cape. That's true. Granny has a cape too. I didn't even think about Triple that. Triple the cape movement. Triple cape movement. It's rare to get that much hashtag cape movement in a single episode. But that's right. Alright, so I guess that will bring us to our final scores, Liam. Totaling everything up, including my bonus point, brings us up to a score of brings me up to a score of thirty five out of forty, which is I'm gonna have to check, but maybe the strongest I, I Superman. That, episode yeah, to I date think that's the highest you've given a Superman episode. And mine's right in that ballpark, thirty three out of forty. Um, yeah, this is I like I, like I think you said really near the top of the show. It really was a pleasant surprise. I remembered parts of this episode. I remembered the inner gang stuff. I remembered that it was the the introduction of Granny and the Furies, but I really was a little bit caught off guard with just how much of a joy this is to watch and I'm glad it was two parts. Yep. I think it's I think it had a lot of story to get through and to give a little weight as we said at the beginning with Superman sort of dealing with the real real realization of being an orphan and sort of having this new hope of, of finding one survivor of this neighboring planet and then getting to go in and do all the apocalypse stuff and and like we said give Kara uh, a chance to be the the hero at the end. It's just all really well done, and uh, as far as rewatchability, 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, no disagreeing. <laughs> yeah. We got, Watch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As we said, it's not only important to this series, but it's important to the DCAU as a whole. And you got multiple levels. Not only does it introduce Supergirl, it continues some of the Apocalypse stuff. Yes. You know, a couple, a few months ago, we did a whole month where we covered just Apocalypse stories. This is one that we didn't cover during that time, but it plays into the Apocalypse storyline that is yep. a thread that is literally followed till the very end of Justice League. Well, the second to last season of Justice League. Unlimited. Yeah. So it's a pivotal pivotal part of the entire DCAU. So, watch this. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, William, that wraps us up. Thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. As always, we appreciate your love and support. Feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, or wherever uh, there are lots of other places out there that you probably may or probably listen to a podcast, and they probably carry us too. So, be sure to subscribe. You'll get your new episodes delivered to you every Saturday, 10 a.m. 9 Central. Yep, and uh, you can also check out DCAUReview.com. Thank you if you're listening, streaming on there. You can download it from there. You can always check out the archives there. we got plenty of other episodes broken down by category. Go check out our past episodes broken down by Apocalypse, Darkseid, whoever you want to, you know, whoever you want to look up. Superman, other Superman episodes we've covered. Check that out. Also, don't forget to check out Liam. He runs our Twitter page. He's the DCAU Review Twitter guru. Liam, anything to add? Yeah, just go ahead and give us a follow at DCAU Review. We're closing in on 300 followers. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It took us a while to get to 250, and then we kind of uh, shot up from there, and it's, it's, it's been really just cool. That snowball effect. Yeah. People Once, start seeing, oh, wait, this account has 300 people. Maybe I should follow them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, great content, too. Yeah, so hey, hey. That helps, too. That helps, too. But, exactly. uh, yeah, it's, I'll always love tweeting about this, so definitely give us your feedback on this episode. How you feel about the introduction of Supergirl into the series, her her role in the DCU as a whole. I know there were people who were disappointed she didn't show up in Justice League vs. the Fatal Five because of the Legion connection. But uh, so I, I'd love to hear more about what you think of, of Supergirl and how this version compares to say the the TV series or or some of the other versions in the comics. So also and, hashtag Ed Asner for Granny. Yes, uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna be here. tweeting out that petition any day now. So stay tuned uh, at DCAU. All right, well, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. We will talk to you on the very next episode of the DCA. Goodbye.